Hallelujah. Praise, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yes. And you know, we've been having such an awesome time this weekend, or this week, a couple's week, you know, starting Wednesday, as Pastor began to teach us and show us some more things about um, love relationships and the way things really should be. And then, of course, yesterday we went out and we had a cruise. Yes, that's the way we roll, you know. So we had some fun and we really ate a lot. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> we ate and we had fun and um, that's just, that's really the way that it should be. Amen. That's really the way that it should be. And um, we're continuing today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence that is already, already in this place. We just ask you to continue to have your way in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. To you be the glory in this house this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Please put up um, Matthew chapter 19 where our team comes from, Becoming One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the title of my message this morning, as you see it up there, it talks about Becoming One Through Friendship. Amen? That's something that is not really talked about so much, but it's, 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 it's there. It should be one of the major areas. Praise the Lord. So one of the things I was saying just now was like, wow, I thank God for couples in this church who, are, who have decided that there's not going to be divorce. Amen. 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 We have made up our minds that no matter what the enemy throws our way, we are sticking with it. Amen. And we're not just sticking with it, suffering in silence. We are kicking him out of our marriages. We've kicked him out. We are going to make it thrive. Make it sweet, beautiful, enjoyable, and we're going to rub the enemy's face in it. Yeah. Hallelujah. We are going to rub his face. He's going to watch us milliking. Right. You know what milliking is? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I've not heard that in a long time. He's going to watch us doing all the smooching and all of those things. You know he's allowed in marriage. That's where all of those Kissing and smooching and hugging and every of those things is in the, within the confines of marriage. Anybody you see doing it and they're not married, they're illegal. Amen. We should have a prison for them. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord, but, but it, is, it, is, it is illegal and it is immoral. That's what, the, I mean, scripture, um, scripturally speaking, the Bible tells us that we should keep all of those things to the confines of marriage. And that's why I like talking to the youth every time I, I, I come up here and I have an opportunity to say certain things that relate to them. Because um, you guys are so precious and you're such a, at such a precious time in your lives. And I'm telling you, I think that you're living in one of the most challenging generations. Woo! Things have always been bad. I mean, look, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. They were like bad. But now you have badness at your fingertips. You have an opportunity to be looking at stuff that you're not supposed to be looking at, hearing stuff, seeing stuff that your young, innocent minds are not supposed to see, being violated like that. But that's the reason why we should also be strong in the things of God, right? 
and and sometimes society and the things around and the, the, the times that we are living in almost begins to tell you that there's something wrong with you if you don't have a boyfriend there's something wrong with you if you don't have a girlfriend if you've not had sex there is some there's nothing wrong with you male female you're supposed to be a virgin until you marry let me hear the youth say hallelujah and it's a good thing it's a good thing it's a good thing amen you carry less baggages into the into marriage when you keep yourself the way that God says you should keep yourself. I like what somebody said. You know, they came and were complaining to the husband, to the pastor, and saying, uh, uh, "My my sexual relationship is not doing very well." You know, the, the pastor said, "Compared to." <laughs> <laughs> You are reporting yourself, right? What, what, what are you comparing it to? Compared to what? And that's, that's what happens many times. And people are discovering that when they were out there so loose in the world, they are hanging from the ceiling, doing all kinds of things in the ceiling. And maybe they married somebody who wasn't hanging from the ceiling. And they come into a marriage and it's a problem now. They now feel like there is something wrong with that person. There is nothing wrong with that person. You that were hanging from the ceiling... Now, that was the, the problem. Because married couples are supposed to learn these things together. They're supposed to grow together. Grow together in love. In doing what the married relationships are supposed to be doing. Amen? Hallelujah. And contrary to popular beliefs, many times people say, Oh, marriage, sex is not boring and it's not right. And it, 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 it stops and it ends. Who, who told you that? It's a lie of the enemy. It gets better and better and better. But sometimes people get into marriage with this mindset, and because they begin to expect that, that's what begins to happen in their marriage relationships. And that's why learning about marriage and learning about these things should be done in the church, in the proper church, from scriptures. And you discover the Bible says that marriage, the marriage bed is undefiled. If you notice, that's one area the Bible didn't put restrictions. Like, oh, you know, you have to be like, uh-huh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says the marriage bed is on the vial. He says you can have fun in your marriage bed and you will not go to hell. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God loves us like that and he made all those things for our enjoyment and for, for our good. But that's not the direction I'm going. I don't even know how I got there, but... um. Let's see. Let's continue. <laughs> but it's good. It's all good. If God says that, I should go there. I should, right? Praise the Lord. And I guess I began to talk to the youth too, that they need to know that they are supposed to keep themselves. It's a good thing. And you know, see, like I said, I'm just going to yield to the Holy Ghost, right? I know that we have the singles time coming up, you know, but we can, we can start now, right? You need to value yourself. You need to value yourself as a single person. Because sometimes, if I don't sleep with him, if I don't sleep with, with okay, it's mostly the ladies that say that. If I don't sleep with him, I may lose him. What? You think you have to sleep with somebody to keep them. You don't value yourself. And you need to value yourself. It's not every car that you can test drive. You need to be that car that cannot be test driven. You all don't know what I'm talking about using this example. There are some cars, when you go to the dealership, they allow you to test drive the cars. Cheap cars. 
but there are some cars you can't test drive it. This one, you have to have a Ferrari before you buy this one. This is the big brother of the regular Mercedes-Benz. And only those who are ready to buy come in there and you pay and we give you the key. We have already tested it. It works, it's good. Because sometimes people have, have brought down themselves so much and people have allowed themselves to be brought down so much. They don't recognize their value. It's so interesting. Pastor and I were watching a movie recently and it was so interesting that this guy was saying um, that um, he wanted, he wanted, he, was, he had been friends with this lady and then she wanted to sleep with him. How many of you know that women can be just as bad? She wanted to sleep with him, and the guy was like, uh, you know what, let's do this right. And he breathes he wanted to give you this. He brings out the ring, and she's looking at him. She's like, I don't want to get married. You don't want to get married. He's like, I thought you were a virgin. She's like, I am. You, what about you? You've been sleeping. He said, well, I slept with all those people. I didn't love them. But you, I want to marry. I love you, and I want to do this right. And she didn't take the ring. She said he's moving too fast. She's the one that's trying to sleep with him. He brings a ring and she says he's moving too fast. And that's the generation we are living in. Now, both of them were crazy though. Because now he's sleeping around too. But he's sleeping around with people he does not value. Come on, that's saying something. But the one he values, now that's the one he wants to take home. Male and female, value yourself. Praise the Lord. You are what? (sighs) Beyond the pearl of great price. Hallelujah. I need the youth to say amen, Pastor B. Preach it. Glory to God. And you should be able to tell, once you see somebody that's getting too fresh with you, you need to tell him who you are. And during the time of courtship is the the time, especially for women, you have the bargaining chip. Don't give it up that quick. That's the time you can bargain. When you're getting into a relationship, you want to have a relationship with me? All right, this, this, this. I don't do kissing. I don't do sleeping. I don't do, and by the way, all of these things. And the guy wants you he will agree. He will comply. But when you are giving it away, giving it away for free, and then you want to come back in, and after a while, it's like, nobody wants to marry me. Nobody likes me. But I know that in this house, that's not the case, right? We value ourselves. We know who we are. There's plenty of time in marriage for all of those things. Plenty. Like plenty. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, where was I going with this? Lord, can I continue now? Okay. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Of course, I'm so happy about my husband. We've been married for 26 years this year, actually. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. And we have eight godly seed. Now let's read first. I told you that we should read something first of all. We talked about the fact becoming one. And um, I'll read, begin to read from verse 3 here, in, from Matthew 19, verse 3. It says, the Pharisees came, also came to him, testing him, Matthew 19, verse 3, and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Hallelujah. Now the title says becoming one, but here it says that Jesus is telling us that that the two have become one flesh. So immediately they are pronounced man and wife. They have become one. But what happens is that they have become one in the spirit. But in manifestation, there still needs to be a becoming. Just like when you get born again. Amen. You are, you are as he is, so are you in this world. But then there needs to be a mind renewal. So that you can now begin to manifest exactly who you are. In Christ Jesus. And so that's the becoming that we are talking about. And today I'm really going to be focusing on the area of friendship, like I said, because that's one area that I think is a little bit overlooked, neglected, and not really seen as important, but it is very, very important. Because sometimes people think that sex is the place to start, and that sex will keep everything going forever. No, that's done wrong. It's agape. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's the foundation. And I was saying that um, we are blessed with eight godly seed. And why did I put it like that? Because the Bible tells us very clearly in Malachi, put up Malachi chapter 2. I think Pastor read from there too. It tells us God's uh, vision for marriage, for the marriage relationship very clearly. And, and, and um, did I tell you the verse to put, to put up? From, just let's start from verse 12. It's, we see God's, and we're going to end at uh, 16. Amplified version, please. Amplified version. This is important because sometimes people go into marriages not understanding or not having a vision. They don't know why a marriage is instituted. But I want to say here, here and now too that even though, you know, sometimes you have marriages where, you know, they really want children but they don't have children. No problem. But sometimes people go into marriages or already with the notion that we're not going to have any children. Why are you getting married? For sex. That's not a good reason to get married. Because even, when, even people who want to have children too, that's one of the reasons why they go into marriage. Amen. All right, let's read. It says, the Lord will cast out of the tents of Jacob to the last man. That's fine. I wanted to amplify classic, but that's fine. Let's see how this one goes. The Lord will cast out of the tents of Jacob to the last man, those who do this evil thing, the master and the servant, or the people alike, even him who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this you do with double guilt. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears shed by your unoffending wives. You know what that means? That means that women are coming and they are crying that the men are hurting them. The men are mistreating them. He says they are flooding his altar with their tears. Divorced by you, 
that they are being divorced, they are being cast aside, they are not being uh, a, a value. They just marry them and for any reason they just throw them away. Says divorced by you that you might make hidden wives, that you might take hidden wives, and with your own weeping and crying out because the Lord does not regard your offering. So after they've done all this stuff, praise the Lord. There are many reasons why people come to the altar and they cry and things are not happening. God is saying very clearly here that one of the reasons is because the men maltreat their wives. And you know one of the things that I think before I even read further is that sometimes there's not enough teaching the men. There's a lot of women's programs and meetings and women are taught this and taught that. But there needs to be a lot more teaching of the men. The thing that is focused major is you are the head, you are the head, you are the head. How does the head behave? The men need to be taught. They need to understand how the head should behave. And a woman is a helper because the man is doing something. It's not sitting there like she's some slave. Because that's there's a misunderstanding of who the help is. And for somebody to help you, you have to know what it is you are doing. And then when she comes there, you now show her how to do that thing. Because some men want women to cook. They don't even know how to cook. You should know how to cook. Who told you she doesn't know how to cook? When you don't know how to cook. And then that's where the comparison comes in. Comes in. You're not cooking like my mother. Well, you're not married to your mother. Moi. Enjoy this burnt offering, high priest. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, I couldn't help myself. Okay, let's continue reading. <laughs> Divorced by you that you might take hidden wives... And with your own weeping and crying out because the Lord does not regard your offering anymore or accept it with favor at your hand. Yet you ask, why does he reject it? Because the Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage. He was witness. He was standing right there. Some people forget that when they stand before the man of God, God is there. It's God you should be seeing. Because some people think it's just the pastor. It's just the friends. And sometimes people just do all the, rig- all the fanfare, beautiful flowers. Ooh, so people can say, I had a cool wedding. Guess what? The most important is that God is in attendance at that wedding. And that is what should help us to, that's what we should focus on so that we can keep that marriage the way God would have it to be. Amen? It says, because the Lord was witness to the covenant made at your marriage between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously and to whom you were faithless. So it's not okay for a man to be faithless. See, it sounds as if, why is she saying that? Of course we know, but in this society and in a lot of places, people expect men to be unfaithful. They think it's okay. You say it's not really normal now. You know, the man is he's a hunter. He's a he, he he likes, you know, he likes, you know, you know. He has a lot to give. And I and I've I heard not just a a woman, but just using her as an example. You say it's like I I know my husband is gonna go around with other women, 
but um he's he's i'm gonna i'm always gonna be the one that he will come back to what this is a woman who has no value who does not know who she is and sometimes who has been taught wrong but then ignorance is not an excuse especially for us as believers we need to go into the word of god and see what the word says god himself is complaining about faithless men he says, yet she is your companion and the wife of your covenant made by your marriage vows. And did not God make you and your wife one flesh? Did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? Because he sought a godly offspring from your union. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and let no one deal treacherously and be faithless to the wife of his youth. Now that is very significant. It says, did God not make you want to raise godly seeds? So in other words, you are supposed to be raising godly seed. How come you are living so godlessly? You are so ungodly. Because what you are doing is going to be an example to your children. But God instituted marriage even before the church. Y'all. When he created man, the first thing, marriage, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, he made them together. He did not make uh, Adam a pastor. He did not build a church. His plan was that they would together raise godly seed. And that's why we need to understand how important this is in the marriage relationship. That the husband and the wife together make sure that the children are living godly. No matter how your children feel, it is your responsibility to insist that they do the right thing. Put up Genesis. We'll, we'll, we'll just look at Abraham. Genesis 18 from 17 in the King James Version. I know that sometimes it seems like it's hard and sometimes you're talking to your children and they don't understand. They don't, they don't know that you have a responsibility. That this is your responsibility. It's not okay for parents to sit home, to allow their children to sit home, but it happens. They are in church, their children are at home. Why is your child not in Bible study? Why is your child not in church? We have a responsibility. I was in Europe the other day and some pastors, you know, we had known them for a while. Little children, they go to church and all of a sudden I go back some years. And I, I'm like, we're in church. I'm like, where is your son? Now a teenager. Oh, he's at home. I don't know. He doesn't like coming to church anymore. Pastors. Pastors. You, you, your, your teenage son has decided that he doesn't want to come to church. And you agree. They don't understand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have a choice. We need to understand the marriage relationship. When you have children, you need to raise them up to be godly until the time when it's time for them to be on their own. And hopefully they have learned. But while they are in your house, they study, they pray. You check on them on these things. But some people sometimes, all they are thinking about is how to, to save money for their children's education. 
That is such a biggie that I sent my child to college. What, what, college is good. But what about God's vision? Are you concerned about them studying, praying, having the right friends? Selfishness many times is what drive, is driving so much. And that's why the Bible says that as believers, we need to examine ourselves if we're in faith. And we're still talking marriage, right? Yes. And the Bible talks about here, I said Genesis 18, please, from verse 17. Hallelujah. This is so significant. And I really, I was, I'm, as, as you're, we're looking at this, we'll see what God was saying about Abraham and about um, um, children. So God said that, uh, I, maybe I should just pull it up myself. Praise the Lord. So God is saying he was about to do something. And he said, shall I hide this? From Abraham, my friend. Right? And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I have known him in order that he might... Let me read the King James Version. I'm at the, I'm at the new um, King James Version. It says, for I know him, verse 19, that he will command his children... And his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Wow. So God was counting on Abraham. God says that I have known him. This is the reason why I chose him. I'm confident that he will. He see, he's so saved. He's so into me. That he will not only just keep this thing to himself. He will command his children and his household after me. He will make sure that they are serving me. This is important to God. It's important to God that we as parents, as husband and wives together, are insisting that our children's foundation is a foundation of the word of God. doesn't matter how many gadgets we buy for them. Doesn't matter how many of those things we can take them to the best schools or what the world called whatever, but they must be rooted and grounded in the things of God. That must be our number one priority. Now, your children may not understand this, but you and I, as parents, we should know this that this is God's heart. Raising children is not to be left to the church alone. To start from the home. The home. Amen? Amen? And so we have established this here right, right now that God is interested in a marriage relationship, in the husband and the wife walking together to raise godly seed unto him. So those children are passing through you. They are not giving to you. They are passing through you. Hallelujah. We better be understanding that. Because even the time that they stay with us is a very short time. So they are passing through you. How are you impacting them? How are you impacting them? Are you doing what God says you should? Or are you just thinking about how they are going to make you look good? And say, oh, my child is a lawyer. My child is a doctor. My child is an architect. Ooh, ha, ha. That is going to hell. It's just about you. But 
But eternity should be the number one in our hearts when it comes to our children. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And I believe that is we can see very clearly the example Isaac. Do we think it's by chance that Isaac allowed himself to be bound by his father and put on the altar for his sacrifice? Abraham had trained him. Abraham had trained him in submission. He trusted his father because his father had taught him some things. He had seen the way his father followed God. And so we see Abraham's part. But what about the son? That son was obviously big enough to fight the father. To give him a hard time. He said, I see the wood, I see the fire. Because he, he has watched sacrifice through his life. He was not ignorant. He knows what is going on. I see the fire, I see the wood. Uh, daddy, where, where, where is the sacrifice? Who knows? But I mean, if Abraham said, God himself will provide. And I'm sure the son is like, I'm about to be toast. <laughs> Lord, I might be toast tonight. But he didn't run away. He stayed. And thank God that Abraham didn't have to do that. Amen? Because Abraham raised a godly seed that submitted. Amen? And so we're talking about becoming one. You see, when people think about marriage, many times it looks as if marriage is so hard. I'm talking about believers. They're getting into marriage. And the truth is, if we do our Christian life right, and that's my number one point in becoming one. Number one, A, live as a Christian before marriage. Live as a Christian before marriage. We have marriage counselings. And we will continue to have marriage counselings. However, it is not the marriage classes and the marriage counselling that we do six months before the marriage that will be the major player in your marriage, especially as a believer. It is how you, have, you position yourself as a believer to submit to God's word that will determine how sweet your marriage will be. And God in his infinite wisdom prepares us himself when he gives us the scriptures and he says, do this. And everyone, every believer who will live as a Christian before marriage, marriage, piece of cake. But people try to make it like marriage. You don't get into marriage. Do you know what you are getting into? Ha ha ha. Being born again and living among the body of believers you're already in a place of practice. The Bible says love is, if 1 Corinthians 13 begins to tell us, and that's where we always start from, we talk about agape love of God. When you are walking in agape, when you get into your marriage, now you have somebody, the only difference now is that you have somebody that is even closer in your bedroom, in your face. When you go to the bathroom, they are there. In the kitchen, they are there. You lay down on your bed and you roll over, they are right there in your face. Sometimes they are breathing right in your face. <laughs> Hallelujah. However, we all, they, all, 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 they already have to have been some kind of interactions. For example, the Bible says that we should serve in church, right? 
or says love is patient. Now, as a person who is serving in church as an usher, if you are serving in church as an usher, how many of you know your, your patience will be up there? <laughs> because you tell them, sit here. The sheep will go, tuku, 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 tuku. I want to sit over here. But the next Sunday, you come and you continue to usher. Sit over here. Uh, I want to sit over here. Move to the front. Do this. The usher, he thinks that he's just... He shouldn't get mad, right? Yeah. It can be annoying. But guess what? You be consistent. His patience has been developed. And so he keeps doing it. And of course, he gets, knows better ways of how to get them to see it. But do you know that when that usher has been doing that as a single, when he gets into marriage, it's not going to be easier. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can, you give, oh, oh, peace, I've been working in patience. I've been telling this woman to do this. She doesn't want to. I'm going to be here believing God. Because you have already been walking in patience. I mean, you don't even have to leave your house as a young person. Your brother, your sister. Oh, boy. But walking in love has to start before you get married. Why? Submit to your own husbands. Hey! It's almost like, What? You already have to, ought to have been submitting to your fathers, your parents, to your pastors. Submitting to one another, team player already. So I guess the question is, if I'm coming into marriage and I'm finding all these things too hard, what have I been doing before marriage? What kind of Christian have I been? Really? Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> so we live as Christians before marriage. And then the becoming one is not as much of a, of a big deal because it's the same principle that you carry into marriage. It's nothing different. Just now, two of you working together as one. You know, I mentioned about the fact that young people need to value themselves. And I want to say this to women, that sometimes when the Bible says submit, the man is the head. It's women who don't know who they are that have problems submitting. And this is, I'm talking about all things being equal. I'm not talking about, you know, maybe the person is a serious knucklehead. And even at that, praise the Lord. Women who know who they are don't get so bent out of shape submitting. Because when you are submitting, when you know who you are, you submit with an attitude like this man would know. You, you see, when, when you know who you are, the man you are submitting to, we know what is submitting to him. We know who is submitting to, me, to him. That me with my anointing, with my ability, with the things that God has blessed me with, God has favored me with, I'm bringing it all willingly and I'm submitting. I hope you guys will get that. Maybe later after you get it. But a person who doesn't know who they are, they're like, he's going to think I'm nothing. I'm No, 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 no. 
is is how you are thinking about yourself that is the major problem it's not the man okay i can hear a pin drop i just put that in there if you know who you are if you know who you are who god has made you to be and you are focused on that submission will not be the problem All right. I'm not going to get an amen from the women. Amen. Seriously? Amen. Maybe we'll be here till 2 o'clock. I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, a man came to the pastor and he said, um, Pastor, Pastor, I'm just done with my wife. The pastor said, Come on now. The Bible says, Love your wife. And the pastor and the man says, no, 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 no. We are, we actually, she, I, I, let me just tell you the truth. We have been living as roommates. We're not living as husband and wife. The pastor said, love your neighbor. <laughs> He's like, my neighbor, <laughs> she's an enemy. This woman, she's just an enemy. The pastor said, love your enemies. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm like, that's a good pastor, right? But the point is that it's in scripture. You all... So it's not that's all those are flimsy reasons and excuses and stuff that people break marriages. Because you're not living your life as a Christian. If you're living your life as a Christian, you would understand. That this is, these are the things that you're supposed to be doing. That is not strange. Amen? Love is sacrificial. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's why we, we encourage our youth to serve. You know, uh, you, go, you can go back and look at Ecclesiastes 12, where it says that you should remember the Lord in your youth, time of your youth. Sometimes we think that the time of our youth is about playing away. When you remember God, you serve God in your youth. As you grow up and become married and have to handle all of these things, these things become piece of cake. Because you've been doing it. You've been doing it all this while. It's not just one day, oh, I'm now an adult, I let me jump into marriage, so now life has to... No, no, no. You remember the Lord in your youth. Ecclesiastes 12. You can go and look at it later. Amen? And so marriage is not about pursuing your own agenda at the expense of the family. And one of the things I said about the men was that the men as heads, a man needs to know the vision for his family. And he needs to share that with his wife. And then together they bring the children. It's not enough to say, I'm the head, I'm the head, I'm the head. Where is the head going? Where is the head going? So I can follow you. And women are, are, are like that. They want to know, where are we going? And sometimes when we see all of this, uh, because the woman, she doesn't even know where. If you want her to follow you, she needs to know where you are going. It needs to be clear. Married to my husband now for 26 years, I know exactly where we are going. Amen? It's not hard. I know where we are going. 
And it makes it easy for me to submit, to do what I need to do. Because I see his heart, I know what he's about, I know the vision, I know where we are going. Even without a word, I can tell. But it becomes confusing to a woman in a marriage relationship. She doesn't know where the husband is going, but the husband is saying, submit, submit, submit. To what? Hallelujah. <laughs> and so the husband is also supposed to, as the children are coming to everybody together with the wife, you're supposed to even know my children's gifts and all of these things and encourage them in that direction. It's a tough job being the head. It's a lot of responsibility. And but you are with God is your helper. It's not just to sit down there and I'm a man, go and bring my food. Iron my clothes. Have my children. You're in the driver's seat and you need to be carrying your wife and your children to the destination safe and sound. And happy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so the vision being clear. So every other vision around there or things that happen flows from there. And when that vision is clear and it's godly, you know, working together, you find less and less that there are, you know, women being frustrated or the man being intimidated. Because sometimes some men get intimidated when a woman is doing better than they are doing. Why? Because they don't understand oneness. Everything your wife accomplishes and has is your glory. It's your glory. And ideally, the man should be like, yes, helping her to harness that gift, to do whatever it takes to help her to manifest what it is that God is calling. And it's all within the vision of the family. Amen? Amen. So there, will no, there won't be need for intimidation and quarreling and stuff like that. Sometimes some men come to pastors and they say, you know what, my pastor is, uh, my wife is any more money than me. And they're, they're mad. They want the wife to, to lose the, the job and stuff like that. And I, and, and I heard one woman say to one uh, husband one time, she's like, well, um, your husband is, your wife is a businesswoman and you guys are getting married or your fiance is a businesswoman. She, after you get, guys get married, you're going to close that business, right? Because her reason is because you know women that have money they don't submit to. <laughs> Proverbs thirty one woman yes. is a rich woman. She was loaded. She didn't wait for her husband. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> one of the things my husband said to me is like, you know, you have to be. You, you got to believe God for what you want. <laughs> Initially, I'm thinking to myself, what husband? <laughs> He's not going to escape like that. But it's the truth that women, you, a woman should know that look. And of course, I'm talking about the vision. The family needs to have a vision together and understanding. A woman can have stuff, build stuff. Be prosperous in the marriage relationship. Because some women, they are so panicky 
in their marriage relationship because they are like, if this man leaves me, I'm done. Because they don't have anything, can do nothing. Everything was just about get married and have babies. I know that's not here, but you know it's not all you guys I'm talking to, right? Women need to be strong. You are a helper. The man should not be stressing by himself. He shouldn't be stressing at all, but you know what I mean. <laughs> not, not, eh, where did you, no money for soup. No money for this. What are you doing? You're not a man. Your mates are buying this. Your mates are buying that. I'm like, this man, you need to have some mouth. <laughs> and tell her, you are help me. Where is the one you're bringing? <laughs> Okay, I'm not trying to cause, uh, <laughs> but you get the point, right? The idea, no, 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 no. We work together and women need to understand that you can't put that kind of pressure on the man. You are there to help. And whatever his weaknesses are, you better believe that you have been equipped to help lift him up. And the same way that if there are certain weaknesses in you, he's also equipped to help you get to where you should be. Together. There's no pointing fingers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) And so the the, the husband needs to seek God on behalf of his wife too. You find that sometimes in marriages, women are doing the praying. Men, rise up. Woman can't be doing the praying. Some men feel very comfortable. My woman is a prayer. No matter how much of a prayer she is, it is still your responsibility. The Bible says that Jesus is our intercessor, our high priest, but he said we should stop interceding. No, but he did not say, oh, you are interceding. So the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And that's the same way the man should be the spiritual leader in the home. That's some of the things I get some women frustrated. Of course, I always say, don't get frustrated. Don't be. Amen. Amen. With Jesus on your side, you don't need to be frustrated. But I know it's a lot harder. (laughs) But you can do it. Amen. So the men need to rise up and grow spiritually. And when a woman is encouraging you to grow, don't get mad at her. She's trying to help you. Because ideally, you should be the one she's following spiritually. And that's why I always say, look, I was very smart when I was getting married. I had a lot of of knuckleheads around. But I don't want no knuckleheads. They may may have been nice too. Maybe they may have been nice. But I had to, to look for the one I could submit to. You know, sometimes women are complaining. It's so hard to submit to the man. And you saw this, you saw that. Did you not know when you were getting married? Pick the guy you can submit to. <laughs> I said, Lord, I want somebody who I can, who will help me grow even more. <laughs> I know some people say, oh, I want to get married to someone. I don't advise it for a woman. Maybe the man can say, Lord, give me like Josemiah's husband, give me a woman that I can, I can help. Fine. 
Lord, give me a man that can help me. It's a lot easier that way. Because men don't like to, 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 to be told what to do. That's why we women, we are wise. When we are telling them, we'll make it as if it's their idea. They won't even know. They'll be like, ah, yeah. You see, I had this idea. And they're like, aha. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is, these things are very vital. And that's why young people, when you're getting into marriage, don't get married because he's so good looking. First of all. Fine, he can be good looking. But I've heard some people so many times, they ask them, Who, what kind of person do you want to marry? Tall, dark, and handsome. Which woman do you want to marry? Pretty. Va, va, boom. Long hair. Like you hear, you, well, you hear a lot of men, some men that they will come and say, This woman, she's pretty though, but she's so, she's, ah, she's beautiful, but she, And they are struggling, but she's pretty. <laughs> we need to watch and see that we are not trying to satisfy some, some carnal nature. Because you are going to live with this thing forever. <laughs> hallelujah. Let me get some hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now we're talking about friendship and it takes me to the other part. I had to talk about a little bit about that love. But the B part is to cultivate friendship before and after marriage. Before and after marriage. Unfortunately, like I already mentioned before, sometimes the things that people are cultivating before marriage is sex. Mm-hmm. That's not what God says you should do. You should look out for. Not looks. That looks should not be just the first thing. Are you friends? Let me give you a definition of a friend. Just a dictionary definition. It says a friend, a person with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically one exclusive of sexual or family relations. I like what one, some one person said. He said that when I was getting married, he said, he said, I, 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 before I saw my wife, I, he just heard her voice. She was saying something. And he liked what he was hearing. It was in the in kind of group, it was kind of dark. So you know how you can be having a whatever, you've not really seen a person's face. Maybe he was sitting at the back or something. But he could hear how she was interacting. She could hear what he was saying. And that was what attracted him. Not the beauty. Thank God she's beautiful. But what made him say, man, I need to go look for this girl. Who is she? Was because of what she was saying. He knew this person. Wow. This is the kind of person that I would like to, to live with. To be married to. Amen? Amen. And, that's the, and I'm sure she was talking intelligently. Right? Spiritually. It was a spiritual gathering too as well. Because sometimes, some people, all they know is, Hair and nails. <laughs> I 
I'm saying this, so you better grow up spiritually. Get study. Okay, a friend, and of course, without saying that, we know that the first one we talked about is agape, and then this one is about phileo. Pastor mentioned some things about that. I'm just shedding a little bit more light on it. And so good friends are what? They are present, they are loyal, just giving some characteristics. They are honest, they are trustworthy. They can be counted on. Because if you can't count on a friend, it's hard to consider them what a good friend. Right? You can count on your friends. A bad friend is someone who ignores your feelings. Well, I say feelings with a, with a listen. And well-being, because sometimes you have to ignore feelings. Sometimes as a friend, you have to ignore feelings. But you understand where this is coming from. You have to ignore feelings sometimes because I will tell you very, 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 I'm going to read some more, but anybody who is afraid to tell you the truth, or who won't tell you the truth because they don't want to lose you as a friend is not a good friend. It's not really a friend. They would say, hey, girl, you look really nice. Girl, look at you. You're looking good. And in their mind, they're like, oh, my goodness, are we going to the circles? <laughs> are we going? No, because they, they don't want to hurt your feelings and tell you, girl, that thing don't match. Because then you'll be like, okay, they will lose your friendship. Uh-uh, uh-uh. A good friend is willing to take that risk. Because all they want is for your well-being. A bad friend is someone who ignores your feelings and well-being and isn't willing to lend a listening ear about your life. Whether the good or bad situations, because they couldn't care less. Friends want to get to know each other, but a bad friend only wants you to get to know them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's see some other qualities of a good friend. And we're talking about the importance of being friends before and after marriage, right? It says, a, a good friend is committed to your happiness. They are committed to your happiness. Consistently willing to put your happiness before your friendship. It is said that good advice grates on the ear, but a true friend won't refrain from telling you something you don't want to hear. Something that may even risk fracturing the friendship. If hearing it lies in your best interest, a true friend will not lack the mercy to correct you when you are wrong. A true friend will confront you with your drinking problem, etc., etc. They will confront you. A true friend. So you better watch out oh, for those friends who are always telling you that you are so nice. Everything is all good. Well, I hope you are so nice and everything is all good anyway. But if they never tell you that, look, hey, 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 don't talk like that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't, and you know that they're saying, you better watch out. And don't be that kind of friend. Don't be that kind of friend either. Hallelujah. A true friend won't ask you to compromise your principles. People, youngsters, a true friend will not ask you to compromise your principles. They will not say, if you love me, you will sleep with me. And then you say they're your friend. They will not say, if you love me, let's, let's, go, let's, go, uh, 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 let's, go, let's go steal from that place. Let's enter that shop. Let's see how we can snatch this. Hey, hey, let's go smoke some joint. Let's go. Let's go do this. Let's, a true friend. 
Especially when they know, look, I'm a believer. And you're telling them, look, I don't think that this we should... They'll be like, ah, ah. What's your own? How do they do bad stuff? I, you know, I've been born again for so long. I don't know how to... What, what would they say, right? They would like, leave it. Forget it. Let's go do it. What do you mean? You are so uncool. Hallelujah. So they will not ask you to compromise your principles in the name of your friendship or anything else. A good friend is a good influence. Hallelujah. They inspire you to live up to your best potential and not to indulge your basest drive. Let's see how bad you can get. They will, they, will, they will inspire you. When you go around the people that you hang out with a lot and you're not inspired, it's time to change your friends. It's time to redefine. If every time you hang out with them, you get into trouble, every time you hang out with them, you do bad stuff, they are not good friends. Now, with regards to relationship, let's look at some of these things of good friendship. A fable, these are big words. Easy to talk to. That's the meaning of a fable. Mm-hmm. Easy to talk to. That means that when you're in a marriage relationship, you should make yourself easy to talk to. Not every time the wife or husband tries to talk to you, problem. Are you getting this? Yes. All right. Affectionate. A good friend in a marriage relationship is affectionate. Don't say, oh, I'm a man. Men don't show affection. Learn it. Hallelujah. Amiable, easy to get along with. <laughs> there are some marriage relationships. People don't make themselves easy to get along with. You have to start making it a point to arrange yourself in the way that you are easy to get along with. Amen? Amicable, a spirit of friendliness, without serious disagreement, bitterness, or resentfulness. Remember the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not touchy or resentful. If you're always carrying about the spirit of bitterness, holding on to stuff around you, then it becomes difficult in a marriage relationship to really, you know, just grow fellowship and cause that friendship to bloom. Because while you are in the marriage, even though you are friends, you want to work on being friends before you get married. When you get into the marriage relationship, your friendship is supposed to be growing. It's supposed to be growing. Attentive. This is a good quality of a friend. A friend is attentive. And I know you know why you all know why I'm saying that. A lot of men don't pay attention to their wives talking. You are talking too much. Pay attention to what she's saying because it will save your life. <laughs> it will save your marriage life. <laughs> because women usually tell you what they need from what they are saying. You can also get what people need from what they are doing. Right? The choices they are making. But many times they will tell you what they need if you just really listen. So you need to be attentive. Available, caring, considerate. Believable. <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting. You're a husband and you're not believable. Your wife, you're not believable. Cordial, discerning, 
Very important. Discerning. Faithful. Forgiving. Funny. Generous. Gentle. Giving. Good listener. Tell the person beside you, say good listener. Heartfelt. Mm-hmm. It has to be heartfelt. All these things that we're saying, as you begin to learn it, when we're changing in marriage, it should be from the heart, a deep desire to really change, not just to get the person off your back. A good friend doesn't try to get the person off their back. They really want to know. Amen? Humorous, kind. Friendship is a, is a scriptural principle. We see that God is, a, is our friend and invites us to be his. So we too must seek to be friendly. So being a spouse, I wrote here, I say being a spouse and being a friend requires different responsibilities. We must cultivate both. Please put Proverbs 20, 27.10 on there for me. The Bible talks about that there's a friend that sticks closer than the brother. And the Bible talks about Abraham being the friend of God. And Jesus talks about, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And that means that as believers, as spiritual people, friendship is important. Amen? It's part of love. And we've seen some of these qualities. I said Proverbs 27.10. First, or you can do 1824. Praise the Lord. It says, Thine own friends and thy father's friends forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother afar off. And there is, uh, I like the other translation. Um, I don't, uh, which translation is it now? Okay, that's fine. Put Proverbs 1824 up there as well. Hallelujah. A man that had friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. And so, in your marriage relationship, if you want to have or grow your friendship, you must be friendly too. And we need to work on it. Now, I won't have time to go into some, in some of these things. I'm just, I'm just seeing the time now and I'm realizing, wow. But we see about um, uh, Jonathan. We see how Jesus died for us, right? Amen. And made us family. Look at Jonathan and David. The Bible talks about Jonathan and David. They had a relationship, a very strong relationship. And David said that the relationship that they had was better than that of a woman. So in other words, the relationship that they had was better than sex. That's my translation. He said the relationship that he had was better than that. Because sometimes people think that, oh, it's all about the sex. But as we, as, we go, as we continue, we're going to talk about a few more things. Amen? And we, if you read the story, go back and look at it. How Jonathan risked his life for David. Was ready to give up his inheritance for David. There was that friendship. Because he understood it was not just about himself now. He knew David had an anointing and a call on his life. And David was his friend. And his desire was that David should manifest all that God had called him to be. That's a true friend. That's a true friend. The Bible tells us in Luke 7 that Jesus is known as the friend of sinners. 
He promised us, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I just want to mention something about Esther. I have to, sorry, Queen Vashti. You know that Queen Vashti was dethroned from the palace by people. She did not have a friend in the palace. Maybe she was not a friendly person. But one thing we know is that she did not have a good friend. If she had a good friend, she would have been advised. And the people who got her off the throne were people who were advising the king. Look, if you allow this woman, every other, all these other um, go, women everywhere are going to be respecting their husbands, both small and great. But Queen Vashti, again and again, she was called before the king. She did not have a friend to tell her the truth because maybe she was going to cut off their neck. They were afraid that she would cut their neck off. Somebody should have advised her, girl, you need to go because you may lose your position. And obviously, she was not friends with her husband either. Because one of the signs of a lack of friendship is complaining about each other, arguing I don't understand her. I don't understand him. Why don't you understand the person you are married to? You're not friends. A friend. Have you ever seen a situation where somebody gets lost? Something happens. They go look for the person's friend. And the person's friend can tell you where they might be found. They understand the person. They see the person acting up in a certain way. They can tell Ah, is it because so, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Friend, because they have been paying attention to what they've been saying. They've been spending time with them. Now, husbands and wives should actually be ashamed to say, I don't understand her. I don't understand him. You've been married for so long a time. You don't understand. What have you been doing? You are supposed to be spending from day one listening and paying attention to your spouse. You should understand your spouse better than anybody else. But what we find is that people are understanding. They're having friends outside. And people think it's okay. I have my girlfriend. We go and we talk stuff. I have my... It's not as if you can't have friends outside the marriage. Girlfriends, right? Not girlfriends for women. Boyfriends. I have to, <laughs> I have to qualify that right now. Men friends. For the men, women friends, for the women. <laughs> Let me say it now. Praise the Lord. I really, really do not advocate people, when people say, oh, this guy is my best. The lady will say, this guy is just my best friend. The woman will say, this guy. I'm a little. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Friends know why they are behaving that way. Amen? And I want to say, and I want to say that to the men, to the women, yes, it's very obvious that women like friendships. And I'm getting ready to round up. Women like friendships. They like to hang out with ladies and do fashion and blah, blah. But men also like friendships. Men like booties in my body, 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 body. He's my... That's why you find men, they go out, they have drinking bodies, right? Not Christians, right? 
but they go out sometimes they want to hang out you know what you and and sometimes people think that oh it's 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 all we can you know one thing that will cultivate friendships in a marriage i've said it in so many different ways is spending time together and it takes it takes agape to spend time with somebody enough to understand who they are put up titus verse 2 at chapter 2 from verse 4 the bible says that the women the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands it says that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, and says all of those things. That word love there is phileo. It's the caring kind of love. It's the friendship kind of love. That means that a woman has a responsibility to be friends with her husband. And one of the things that I think that drives a lot is that people talk so much about emotions, emotions, emotions. That's the reason why I keep saying, look, 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 you, ha- you cannot allow your emotions control you. They say women are emotional beings, women are this, this, and they think it's okay to just stay there as an emotional basket case and all of those. No, 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 no. Men, and I'm sure I'm telling the truth. If I'm wrong, Pastor will come and tell you guys. Men can only handle so much emotional stuff from women. And women think that sometimes, oh, you, 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 you cry, you, you pout, stuff happens. You, after a while, it's going to be looking for escape. Let me go meet my friends that we can talk some real stuff. Because they really can't handle that stuff. As macho as they are, they don't know how to handle emotional stuff like that. But they can handle friendship. Can I get an Amen. amen. Why do you think they go for Super Bowl parties? They have Super Bowl parties, right? Yeah. Why don't the women, women do smart women have Super Bowl parties in their house? Yeah. Then all the men come and join us here. <laughs> I heard of this woman, this woman, she, she, she was like, the husband is always going to this place and he has, he's always eating pepper soup here. He likes pepper soup and he buys this drink. So he said, I know what to do. When he comes back from work, before he comes back from work, she made pepper soup. She bought his favorite drink and everything. So he came back and he was like, oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends. And she said, oh, I have pepper soup in the fridge. He said, you do? Wow, awesome. He brought the pepper, pepper soup. He ate. She said, now your favorite drink. Do you have? She brought, he drank. He said, okay, I'm going out now. <laughs> because it was not the pepper soup and the drink. It was the friendship. And that's the reason why when the husband likes to play football, the wife needs to be interested. When he likes superhero movies, she has, likes, has to be interested. Even if she has to fall asleep, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she has to be interested. She has to put herself in a position where the husband can talk to her about things, about the job without the whining and all of those other things. Amen? Amen. In the marriage relationship, we need to grow and everything. Don't say, I don't understand him. I don't. No, 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 no. You learn. The Bible says the young, older women teach the young women to love their husbands. Be friends with your husband so he's not looking for all this stuff. And it's not as if he can't be out there or have friends out there, but inside. He should even be looking for how to go home because he knows, ah. And the, the spouse should be the first person that the wife or the husband should run to when they have gist. Hey! Come, let's talk, come and see what happened. Not your girlfriend, your boyfriend. 
first because that's what happened in some marriages. The first person they turn to are other people. And then when they come home, hi, honey. Hi, husband. Okay. Did you eat? Okay. How was everybody? I heard somebody said, um, how are you? Then the wife said, fine. Uh, no, he called the wife one name. He said, um, how, let's say Mama Funke. No, Mama Mary. How are you, Mama Mary? First of all, Mama Mary. But anyway, how are you, Mama Mary? She said, fine. How is Mary? Fine. How are we? Fine. That's all they talk about. Okay. No, but in a marriage relationship, each person should know and to understand one another. Amen? So, you all know you can fill in the blanks. If he likes cars, learn about cars. I'm talking to the women now. Don't worry, I was going to talk to the men. And then we'll close. If he likes to watch the news, you pray, 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 pray that they will start repeating the news. So when they start repeating, it's like, is the real news not repeated now? Can we move on to something else? You know I'm talking about myself, right? <laughs> when the news starts to repeat, like, how many they are repeating now? Can we... But I have spent some time at least watching a little bit of the news. Amen. And now I discovered that for myself and my husband. He, he, we, it's like we started out that I liked more movies that, you know, was not, you know, more romantic. Let me put it like that. Storylines. I'm not talking about mushy stuff. I like movies with real stories. Not the type that is romantic movies is not when they are sleeping in the bed. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen. So as the years go by, and I realize now that when both of us are going to watch a movie, he's looking for romantic movies. And when I'm picking movies, I'm picking for the... <laughs> and I'm like, honey, since when do you watch romantic movies? He's like, what? <laughs> so it's almost as if we've almost like switched. But guess what? It's because we are becoming one. We are blending, we are, and, and, and I have to say this, becoming one is not just about growing to become, just changing to one another. It's growing in God, right? And you say love prefers one another. You're always thinking about the person's best interest. You're always thinking about the way God will think about it, right? And you discover that it affects your marriage relationship positively. And I want to demystify romance or romantic things. Romance, being romantic because some men are like, ah, what is this, right? Being romantic is just about doing something nice in a special way. That's all it is. If you buy a perfume for somebody, that's something nice, right? But if my husband buys a perfume for me, praise the Lord, and he wraps it up specially, or he buys me something that I like, some chocolate and stuff. Like Anybody can buy you chocolate. But he wraps it up in a nice way and hides it somewhere that he knows I'm going to find it. That's romantic. Was that too easy? Do you get it? Yes. Like if a woman that likes cooking a lot, he knows she's going to use that big pot to cook. So he'll buy something nice, nice whatever, and put it inside the pot. And she goes and opens the pot and like, wow! Oh! Meanwhile, it was just an ordinary thingy <laughs> that she could have bought for herself. But because of the way he packaged it and where he puts it for her to find, it becomes romantic. Yes. 
Have I just helped? I thought the men were going to be like, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's what it is. And, um, and so we need to cultivate these friendships in our marriage. For, for the man to cultivate a friendship, you need to listen to what your wife is saying. Pay attention, listen to her. And when you listen, you discover that you're learning about her. And, you know, you get, you, you, you become closer friends. And for the woman, you pay attention to some of the things that he likes, right? And then you discover that you guys are beginning to flow together, like each other. You know you're supposed to like each other. Yeah. You are supposed to like each other. You know what favor is? Favor, the Bible talks, one of the definitions I saw about favor is about when the king likes you. So it's not just about, I love you, but they like you. And so, as we grow in our marriage relationships, we're going to talk more and more and, and grow in other things. But this area of friendship, so if you are in a place where it's, it's like every little thing, you're crazed about it, or you need to begin to check your area of friendship, how you're cultivating your friendship. Because men want friends, women want friends. So it's not good to go out looking for those friends. But right there in your house, your best friend should be your husband and your wife. Was that good preaching today? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. You want to come? Should I take up the offering? All right. So let's take our building phone this morning, this afternoon. Praise the Lord. And by good preaching, I mean, did you get anything out of it? <laughs>